You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. And as promised, we are back with more National Championship talk today. And joining me today to give you his take on the game is my co-host, Curtis. His voice is back and he's ready to go. I gave you guys my instant reaction freshly back from the trip to Indy on Tuesday. But today we're going back to the well, this time to answer your questions about the National Championship. And I promise you we will get to all those questions, or at least as many as we possibly can, in just a moment. But first, if you're like me, I know a lot of you have already dropped like buckets full of cash on national championship gear. It's a problem. I need to stop. I'm going to like be bankrupt here pretty quickly if I don't, but it's okay. Uh, This doesn't happen very often, so I'm going all in on it. So if you're like me and you got a little bit more cash that you're willing to spend on these things, Nico Sports is selling a commemorative Georgia football national championship football uh, we've waited 41 years for this, guys. You know, you know how long it's been. 41 years this moment, my entire lifetime. Uh, and we are finally there. We've done it. The dogs have brought home the national championship. So you deserve this. You deserve the limited edition 2022 National Championship Commemorative Football. Grab one now before they're gone. I have a link to it on our Twitter profile at glory underscore UGA. It's awesome looking. It's got the scores, everything. I mean, it looks fantastic, guys. So I've, I'm I'm getting me one. I've already put my order in. And trust me, you don't want to be that guy, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, looks back and says, man, I wish I would have gotten that. I wish I would have had one of those. So go ahead, do yourself a favor and get yours today. Again, it's Nico Sport, and you can check out that link on our Twitter profile at glory underscore UGA. And when you make your purchase, make sure to use the promo code glory to get $10 off your purchase. Again, that's the promo code glory for $10 off your purchase. All right, Curtis, you can probably guess where we're going to start. You know where this is going. Because you know what what happened the last time we played Alabama. You you took a a little victory lap after you, to your credit, correctly predicted the loss in the SEC Championship game to Alabama. Obviously, no, you did not want us to lose that game. But you did get to tell everyone that you told us so a few weeks back. Uh, But now, after finally breaking through and delivering a national title, I have heard from a lot of listeners over the past, well, like 72 hours or so. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot, Curtis. A lot of people on social media have let me know they are extremely eager for what is about to come. Again, I know you know where this is going. In fact, we actually had a listener suggest that you be forced to eat an actual crow on the episode because you did infamously pick against the dogs for the third time in a row going into the national title game. You picked against us going to the SEC Championship, going to the Orange Bowl, and then the, you made the trifecta possible with the pick against the dogs going into the National Championship game. And on top of that, and maybe this is what people are more upset about than anything, I don't know, but you did also say that we could not, definitively could not win a National Championship with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, and yet, here we are. So, gotta ask you, man, how's the crow tasting? 
You know, it tastes pretty sweet. I mean, the fact is, like, eating crow, because we won the national championship, that's the worst I have to do. Uh, I mean, I really can't complain. So, I really, I, you know, I'm not upset about eating the crow. Like I said, I, you know, w- when I made my prediction that I hoped I had to eat crow, actually. Like, I hoped that's what it came down to. Um, so, you know, I have no problem admitting that I made the wrong pick and that we ended up pulling it out. Um, so I really don't have a problem with any of that. Um, more than anything, I'm just glad that we were able to get the win. Um, you know, I eat crow. You know, my biggest thing with Stetson was, especially because I think that's what a lot of people are, will probably especially want to hear it about. The fact is we won that game by a true team effort. Um, yes, I agree. We did and, not win that game because of Stetson. But he and, helped, and that but was we my whole because of him. That, yeah, and that was my whole argument is that I didn't think we could win a game because of him, um, and I still stand by that. And you thought it would come down to that against Alabama at some point, right? Exactly. That's the biggest reason why I went against us is, like, I still – if you ask me today, even after winning that game, I'll still sit here and say I don't think we win the game if it came down to him having to win it for us. Well, um, even I said that. I totally agree. And that's why and, and so, and that, that's where a lot of my it. stuff came from is, like, I didn't ex- – I expected our defense to play better than what we saw out of them last game. I didn't expect them to step it up to the level they did. I know Bama had lost Jamison, but even then we were clamping down inside the red zone, making big plays when big plays. We actually wanted the line of scrimmage, which we didn't do last game. So, I mean, and that's where I think was the difference in this game. And that's the biggest thing is I just didn't, if it had come down to Stetson having to make the plays to win, I thought we were going to lose, but it didn't come down to that. But I will still eat crow in the fact that I picked against us. Yeah, and see, that's where, that's where you and I differed. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I said that on the show, that, yes, if it came down instead of having to do what he did in the SEC Championship game and throw the ball 40-plus times, we were not going to win that football game. I think the difference between you and I going into the National Championship was I was just more confident in the idea that it would not come down to that. I thought our defense would play significantly better. We just played so uncharacteristically poor in that first matchup, and the, the game plan, the way that we approached the, the defensive game plan against this Alabama offense was just so foreign to what we had done all year long. And I just, I looked at the data points and it's like 13 times out of 14 games, this defense has been light freaking out. Historic levels good one time, didn't play well. To me, that was the anomaly. I just, I felt the odds were that we would keep it within range where we could play our game. And maybe that was wishful thinking on my part and I just got lucky it worked out. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, I love you, man, but I am glad, I'm very, very glad that you had to eat crow in this episode. I, I, I'm just, I gotta be honest, man. I'm glad it went down that way. Well, I, mean, um, I would, it, this episode would be going a lot differently too if I wasn't having to eat crow. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm honestly all- glad you couldn't come on here and brag about being right again. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad. Well, <laughs> I'm glad it yeah, didn't come and I mean, again. And if it comes down to being wrong because I picked, you know, us to lo- lose, I mean, hey, there's a, there's a lot worse reasons. Oh, yeah. It would have been a lot different if I was, you know, an enthusiast. That well, just hey, man, I think us I picked us to win the national title like four or five years. Like Every year since 2017, I've come into the season saying, hey, this is the year we're going to win it. And I've been wrong I mean, every year except like, for this year. It's just like you and I growing up when we would do, you know, the NCAA college pickums. I mean, you and I had a team that we used to like to always pick. And yeah. the years they won it or so, we looked like geniuses. And in the other years, we would get bounced from the pool really early because – we just made the picks that probably shouldn't have been yeah. made. Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. So we just had to get that out of the way because we've had, again, a lot of people, a lot of people that have hit me up on social media over the past couple of days. Very, very uh, eager for that moment. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, but hey, we won. It doesn't matter. Who cares? We won the game. We're national champions. That is literally all that matters right now. Like in my entire life, that is all that matters right now. But as I said earlier in the week, we do have uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, we did a little quick, I did a little quick recap episode, just give my my instant reaction, my initial thoughts, and that was literally fresh coming off Indy. So I and I told you guys during that episode, I know I'm leaving things out here, and I'm sure enough when I uploaded, I was like in bed that last night, just like thinking already the other night, thinking about it, it was like, oh yeah, how did I not mention that? How did I not mention that? So we got a lot of things to cover today. We thought the best way to do this was just open the show up to you guys and do a mailbag episode. You guys know uh, we like to make the show as interactive as possible. We like to think we're a show of the people. So we just wanted to get you guys in here and get your thoughts on this and uh, give you guys a chance to ask us whatever you want to ask so we can cover what you guys want to hear us cover. So that's exactly what we did. And we got a ton of questions. In fact, like they're still coming in right now. 
So I'm um, sure that we're going to miss a lot of those. And, and hopefully we'll have a chance to get to them next week. Like I said earlier in the week, this is not a 24-hour news cycle for us. National championships don't come very often. It's been 41 years. So we're going we're gonna to soak this up. We're going to bask in this glory for a while. And we are going to be talking about this national championship on this show, on this podcast, for uh, quite a while to come. I can promise you that. But Kurt, let's start here. You know, in our mailbag episodes, we like to start with the big picture questions. And I think this is a great place to start. And I think I know what you're going to say, but maybe you'll surprise me here. And actually, I put this question out on well, – somebody sent me this question, so I put it out on Instagram. And it was kind of 50-50, so I'm curious where you go with this, Curtis. So Jacob asked, is Stetson Bennett now the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history? I think this is a really interesting question, Curtis, and there's different ways to look at it. So – how do you look at it? Is Stetson, I mean, the guy that you have not been a believer in, like, and, and you're not alone there. Is he now the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history? You know, I say no, and it's not, and I know everyone's going to say, look at the win. He finally got us over the edge. But the reason I say no is because I looked who came before him and put up these stats and things, and yeah, they didn't win it, and he did. But I think that I go back to what I've said all year is that we never won one game because Stetson went out there made these plays for us to win the game. Um, and I think that's the only reason I stand by that. Even I'll still stand by it forever because never one game did we put the ball in his hands and say, Hey, go win us the game. You know, we weren't re- relying on him to go make the big play. We were more relying on him not to make the turnovers. Fair. I do agree. And I, I, I was, I, I mean, do, I, thing, I like when you look at all these other quarterbacks that we've had that have made these plays. I mean, I'm sorry. You cannot put Stetson Bennett anywhere near Matthew Stafford and say, hey, he was the greatest. I mean, even Aaron Murray, who is our all-time winningest quarterback, I still don't – I don't think that's enough to make him the greatest quarterback, UGA quarterback ever, because realistically, I just – just there's certain things about him, and, and just winning is not enough. And I know that – and it looks like I sound like I'm saying that it's because he didn't win the national championship. But the fact is, like – what I look for when I'm saying the best to ever do it, I'm looking for a difference maker. Okay. And that's well, not what let, I, and that's what it comes down to. It's semantics here. What does greatest mean to you? And so what does it mean, Curtis? Like to you, what does greatest quarterback mean? To me, it's like difference maker. Like when you think back to Georgia's greatest running backs ever, you think Todd Gurley and Herschel Walker. Yes. Herschel Walker is the only running back that actually won the natty up until last year. Um, but that never stopped people from making the argument that Todd Gurley was the greatest running back we've seen, especially in our lifetime. I would argue that Todd Gurley might be the greatest player still to this day that I've ever seen. Like at his, pr- at well, his prime and that's at Georgia. And, and, and that doesn't change it to now people are saying, oh, it's Samir White because we won the Natty with him or James Cook because they made some plays that helped us win the Natty. That's an interesting – yes, but wouldn't you say that the quarterback has typically more of an impact on winning and losing than a running back usually? Well, they can, normally yes, but when you're accompanied by a defense like we were – True. It wasn't. I mean, even think back to Stetson, the the play that could have lost us if we don't bounce back. The fact is, like the defense, oh, the yeah, they, yeah, yeah it, well, the fumble they they almost stopped them all those times that we didn't make stuff happen offensively. That how many times they'd hold Alabama where our drives would stall out and things like that. That we held them in check, and then you go back to it, and like I talked about it, especially with the when I was talking about eating crow and things like you look back to the, the touchdowns that we had, they were complete team efforts. I mean, think back to that throw Stetson made to Donnie Mitchell. That was just an amazing catch by him. And yes, Stetson put it up, but he underthrew him, which it worked out to allow him to come back to the ball. But think about it. That play doesn't happen. If James Cook doesn't go out there and lay his body on the line to stop Christian yep. Harris. hundred percent, hundred percent. Just a killer blitz pick up there. I mean, realistically, I, you can't give me one play in that national championship that was made purely by Stetson. Purely by stats. Yeah, I mean, and that's and, and Curtis, you're 100 right in saying that, and I agree with you on that front. I think it comes down to how do you, again, how do you look at greatness? Is it like if you're saying, oh, he won the big game? Then realistically, up until now, was Buck Blue the greatest quarterback in UGA history? That's that's a fantastic point, Curtis. That's, I would say that Stetson. I mean, if, if, if has that's played more of a role in us winning than Buck than Buck Blue did, I, although well, I did not but watch I, but I'm Buck saying, Ballou. But if the difference though is because there. he won. Yeah, I agree that he, yeah. you know, he did. Yeah, Buck threw even less than Stetson. But the fact is, if you're putting it on the fact that it was because he won the Natty, 
then you have to sit there and say, hey, the argument was that Buck Blue was our greatest quarterback, even though everyone sit, can sit here and tell you that for a fact that that's not true. Yeah, so the way I look at greatest is I, I think you nailed it. I think it has to be a combination of talent and, like, accomplishment, achievement on the field, like winning championships. It, it's it's a combination of things. It can't be purely talent. It can't be purely based on, hey, you've won a ton of games. And it's like, well, how much did you actually factor in that? Buck Blue's a fantastic example there, Curtis. That's a fantastic example. Because, I mean, clearly Stetson is, like, not even close to our most talented quarterback in George history. It's just not even close. I mean, we know Stafford – Maybe Fran targeted. I would go with Stafford be the most talented quarterback in Georgia history. I mean, I um, put Mike Bobo at in. in terms of talent, or like in the terms of like, yeah, like the talent he yeah. had as. A I mean, Eric Zier was more talented. Aaron Murray was more talented. Aaron Murray's more talented David and put up significantly better stats. Aaron Murray put up more stats than he. And that's the thing: is it is it stat based? Like, is it product like yeah. productivity at your position, or is it a function of winning? Because I'll tell you this: if Aaron Murray was our quarterback this year. With the defense that we had, not a stupid Todd Grantham defense, we would have won the national championship by about 20 points. Yeah, give us any of these guys, Murray, Matthew Stafford, like they would have, we would, it would have been like LSU esque, but even more dominant because we would have had the defense that would just absolutely shut people down. We would have literally been winning every game by 40 to 50 points easily. I mean, I think if Jake Fromm was our quarterback, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Do you think we would have won this with Jake Fromm? Well, I don't know. His lack of mobility. I don't know. Yeah, you never saw the guns, or and he didn't have that true gunslinger mentality. Which yeah, he was kind of like our offense had to function. Like Jake was very similar to Stetson in that he was a complimentary piece. He was never going to be the featured yeah. piece, but Stetson yeah. does have the mobility that Jake did not ever have. Interesting. No, I agree. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. Like they were both like the complimentary piece. Yeah, and that's just why I go to a Stetson. Like, that, Stetson's that, 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 the way you just said that too shows. That, like, can you really sit here and say someone was the greatest ever if realistically they were just a complimentary piece? Yeah, he's, he's a complimentary piece. He was never the feature piece. We could not win if he had to be the feature piece. It only had to happen one time, and it was not a good look. We saw the SEC Championship game. And he's a talented player. I don't want to sit here and say – like Stetson, I know he gets, he's yeah, a I'm not walk-on. sitting here Stetson saying he's more talented than your average walk-on. He is talented. Yeah, I'm not, He's just I'm not, not in the same ballpark think, as Stafford or Murray or Tarkenton or Zion. Yeah, I don't want like people that. to think – Saying that he's not even like he's the worst quarterback we've ever had. No, that's probably Joe Cox. Um, or Joe yeah, T. I, who's, but, who's he more talented than Joe Cox? Was he more talented than Hudson Mason? Maybe Hudson, Joe T back in the day who lost the job to Stafford. Uh, um, yeah, JT3. Yeah, Tereshinsky. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, but that's, that's my fact. But like, yeah, I still just I put him like tier two of like what, like, because like you mentioned Stafford, Frank Tarkin, people like that were more even Zyre were like more tier one for us. Because we don't have the Tebow's, we don't have the Mac Jones, and the Tua's that are like clearly our top ones, re- more, especially more recently. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me ask you this: Well, if, if Stetson is not the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history, who is? Because we've only won. I mean, I guess we won technically three national titles. You mentioned Buck Belue. You don't think Buck Belue's the greatest? Who is it? I mean, in my opinion, I go with Stafford. Um, I, I, you, the so you go with did, talent. Well, and, and I he, think yeah. He won a lot of games too, and I think he yeah. was especially pl- plagued by. You're talking about, what about DJ. Green? Where does DJ fit in? Only one year, but he won. An, he won an SEC title. He David did, Green. Where does David Green I fit think, in, Curtis? David Green's actually my number two. DJ, I have a problem when I think back to all the games he cost us before he took that over that job. When you think back to that Florida, oh, he was game. young. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I did he? Uh, I, that Florida, yeah, you I, think I, back I guess I'm a game. fan of the the quarterback. Like pulling green he right threw now. that pick six against Florida, which absolutely killed us. I think yeah. it was a sophomore junior year. Yeah. I yeah, okay, fair. David Green is hard to argue against, man. I mean, won an SEC yeah, title David first Green one in twenty years. Are my, are my two people. Especially because like, they did if it. If we're the fourteen college football playoff in two thousand two, do we win it? Maybe. Maybe. Two thousand eight. We should have lost to Florida that year. Well, two thousand eight we win it if we get in with Stafford. The 2007 season? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. We were the hottest team right then. No one wanted Except to face We screwed us. ourselves with the loss of Tennessee. It was absurd that we did that, but we did somehow. Uh, yay, awesome. Um, Stafford's a good one. I I, I go back to I'm, – I'm honestly – dude, I know he didn't win an SEC title. For me, it's Aaron Murray. For me. I think that's um, a fair argument. I mean, like, but like, like I already said earlier, I didn't think he was the greatest, but the fact is like, I still think he's up there in the top. Like, he's I would not go Stafford, Stafford level, level talent, no, but like yeah. – He's he's 
I was a super talented guy. Had a cup of coffee in the. You know, he was very talented for a college player. Now he had physical limitations, sure, and that and you know Stafford didn't, so that that helped Stafford. But Aaron Murray is the most productive quarterback that we've had in Georgia history. So that that's got to count for something. And he was a multi-year starter. He is basically every passing record that, that there is in Georgia football history. And it wasn't his fault that the defense was never good enough. It was just, it, it was not his fault. It's just not. If he would have had this defense, if he was the quarterback of this team, we would have won going away and undefeated. We would not have lost Alabama in the SEC championship game. Simple as that. We would not have lost it. Alabama would not even have been in the college playoff if Aaron Murray was He almost beat so. the, the best defense because they even talked about the Alabama scoring defense was, in 2011 was better than what we had this year. And yet he almost beat them with only Todd Gurley. In the 2012 season? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. I mean, again, like, yes, we he never won an SEC title. That's that's fair. But he came out as close as you could in 2012 without winning. And if we win that game, that was for the right to go beat up on Notre Dame and win a national title. That's what that was. Like, again, in a 14 playoff, he's right. He didn't do anything that like the only thing that Stetson Bennett did was he, he was fortunate enough to be in the, in the area of a 14 college football playoff. So therefore he got he got the rematch at Alabama that Aaron Murray was not afforded the luxury to have. If we get the rematch at Alabama, absolutely could have beaten them. A hundred percent could have beaten them, but it just wasn't to be in that era of college football. So for me, I would say Aaron Murray. Um, I and I can hear an argument for for Stafford. I can hear an argument for different people for sure. But for me, I'm, I'm gonna go Aaron Murray. That's I, it's just an interesting conversation. I think Stetson's in the argument. If you want to make an argument for Stetson, if someone does, I will listen to you because the national titles here don't come haven't come very often recently. Hopefully, we change that moving forward. But it's been 41 years, kind of a big deal. So I get, and just the story about Stetson and where he's come from, what he's had to overcome, that also plays a piece in, in like the greatness argument too. Because the greatness, you look back in history, people are gonna look back and maybe talking about Stetson and what he had to overcome. So you can make that argument, but I think I would go with Stafford. I, I would go with Murray, and I, I get what you're saying going with Stafford. That makes a lot of sense. David Green, though, man, is a really hard one for me to pass up. I just I think Murray put up better numbers, and I think that Murray was a bigger part of why we won those games when he was playing than, than what David Green was. That's just what I would go with there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, all right, Kurt. So we spent a lot of time on that one. I know you don't have a ton of time because you got some stuff you got to get to. So let's try to go. A little faster through uh, some of these, what we've got up here next. Uh, this is a good one, Curse. I touched on a little bit earlier in the week. This is from Justin Morgan X is a no base question. I told you guys coming into the national championship game, my key to the game, my biggest key to the game of all the keys, the biggest one for me was we had to improve our red zone defense. We bit, we were elite at it all year, enforcing field goals and not allowing touchdowns. We bowed our neck, did not do it well enough in the SEC championship game, but obviously it was a different story. I think they had, um, 15 points out of four red zone attempts. They had two other times they're inside our territory. And which if you're talking about the 40-yard line area, most analysts consider that like scoring territory, scoring position. And they didn't get any points on those those drives that were not in the red zone, but were in our own territory. So Kurt, Justin asked, can you talk a bit about how our red zone defense was so much more successful this time around against Alabama? What did we switch up specifically that held Bama to field goals or less? What do you think, man? 
Um, my biggest thing is the way we brought pressure was more creative. And, like I go back to even that one third down play where we showed blitz and then dropped into a zone and we were able to force Bryson to, to that short throw where he uh, it was incomplete. But he looked confused when we pulled that out where we showed blitz to the left and then didn't blitz anyone but still got pressure um, with our guys. But the fact was we just did a lot of lot more stunting, a lot more fake blitzes but or, but when we show blitz we bring it then end up bringing it from somewhere else yeah the simulated pressure was big well and you're exactly right um we did bring more pressure this time around but honestly not that much more if you go back and really count up but we didn't like and, and i told you guys come in the game i went back I and we were just up. more creative with our pressure yeah. is what got me yes yeah, so I, I think so too and we also were smarter in who we like we were showing simulated pressure we were smarter especially in the red zone about who we left back there to mirror or spy Bryce Young. Go back, yeah, to, go back to that one game. down play we yep. brought, or we had Kendall on him. Kendall at one point, uh, yeah, in the game before, we had at one point uh, Devontae Wyatt. Carter, Devontae Wyatt. Yep, it and was that possession right for the half where, we're, where we, we score, we tie the game right for the half. There's too much time on the clock. I said we couldn't let them come down and score, and we did exactly that. And on that drive, two different times, we had defensive tackles once they got into our territory, spying Bryce Young on critical situations. One of them, he beat us for a first down on, on a critical third down with Devontae Wyatt. Second one was Jalen Carter at, was, was smearing him. He had dropped backwards of, or dropped back into – not in coverage. He's spying him essentially, but he's dropped back just watching the quarterback. And um, that's when he scored the touchdown on him. He ran in for a touchdown. We scrambled for the touchdown. We clearly saw that that was not going to work. We took Curtis and I, when we told you guys that was, we couldn't do that. Simply that couldn't, we got too fancy. You got too cute there. You can't do that. I understand those guys are really athletic for games of tackles, but they're not going to be able to hold up in space against Bryce Young, a guy that's that elusive. Just not going to happen. Our coaches got too fancy there. I understand what they were trying to do because you, if you do that, that means you have more guys that, that can cover, they can keep in that back there in coverage in space. Trying to defend guys like John Medchie and James Williams, I get that to a degree, but clearly that did not work. So we did change it up. And Curtis, you're exactly right. The Chang Tindall uh, third down sack there, the force another field goal. That is a case in point example of one of the things that we did to switch it up there. We were also just playing tighter press man coverage, um, especially most of the game. And we, we switched things up in, in different situations and used different variations of man, different looks. But we played tighter, just generally speaking, than we had the first time around, and certainly in the red zone. And you saw that we were playing. So tight, we were actually making plays on the ball in the red zone, in the in the end zone, in fact, in a way that we did not the first time around. So I, I do think there's clearly a concerted effort to correct some of those mistakes that we made the first time around. And I think, honestly, Curtis, that there are many different things you can point in this game and say that was the difference in the game. But our red zone defense was at the top of the list. Because, Curtis, right off the bat, if they score a touchdown on that opening drive, those first couple drives that had to settle for field goals, they score touchdowns. We're all of a sudden outside of our, our wheelhouse, our comfort zone offensively yet again, and it could totally be an entirely different game. That's when Stetson becomes a liability in those kinds of situations, and they could have done that from the get-go in this game if we don't bow our necks and hold the field goals in the red zone. So absolutely critical to uh, to our success and our victory there in the national championship game. Um, all right, Curtis, this is what I'm curious to get your take on this. Uh, Steve, thank you for the question, Steve. Appreciate it, man. Steve says he's trying to be gracious. But don't you think too much is being spoken of the players Alabama lost to injury while not enough is being said of the guys that we played without this season? What do you think, Kurt? Um, I definitely think it is. I mean, you know, I've heard the one thing that really sticks out to me is all the times that you've never once heard Alabama fans complain or talk about their win not meaning anything when they won the very first one, when Colt McCoy goes out on the very first possession with a broken shoulder. Yeah, funny how that works, huh? You know what? Yeah. All these years and later, I, that one still counts, right? All these years later? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So that's what really bothers me the most. Funny how things like that work. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, you know, they did lose some some key pieces of that team. You can't, you know, deny that. Of but, course, losing and, the game, but game is the game Also, though, is, is that Alabama fans, realistically, they always talk about how well Nick Saban recruits and the fact that they're incredible amount of depth and talent, especially the wide receiver mm-hmm. possession. And you definitely, mm-hmm. if you sit back and think about the game, the game came down to two plays, in my opinion. Two play up, their freshman receiver didn't make that catch on that cross. Yep. And our freshman receiver makes that big time catch. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. You're talking about Hall dropping that ball? Yeah. Yeah. Paul had yep. that ball on the cross. It, I doubt we hold them if he gets that on the, cor- on the corner route. Is that when we're talking about on the like five yard line or 
No, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, no. yes, the cross route. Yes, yes, yes. They, yes, ran, right, a, right. they ran a cross route, and he dropped yeah. the ball in his hands. Yep, yep. You're right. You're right. And you, I mean, look, I mean, we've been saying for, for years now, Kirby Smart has changed the game from a recruiting standpoint. People just like use that as like an insult. He's just a recruiter. It's like, well, no, this is where it pays <laughs> off. This is why it matters. And you're exactly right, Steve. Yes, I will. I will admit like them losing Jameson Williams. That's a blow. Losing him in game is very tough. Not having John Mechie. I get that. That's tough. Guys, we didn't have George Pickens all freaking year. I mean, he came back the last game of the regular season and is clearly not 100%, was basically a non-factor for the most part. Had a nice catch in the championship game and had, um, and had a nice catch in the SEC championship game as well. But, I mean, what did George end up with on the year? Because what, he had one catch against Tech. He had two against Bama. Is that right? In the first matchups, that's three. Two in the first. Yeah. And I don't – did he have – I think he, he had have one, one against Michigan? Or... I can't remember. Did he have yeah, one? he had one on that yes, third he down did. play. He, yeah, yeah, that third down. I think that might have been his only catch. He had like five or six catches on the year. And that was our yeah. that was our our number one guy. That was our NFL guy. He was out in the preseason in spring ball. Now I know you have time to prepare for that, but still. And then you have Kiaris Jackson, who was out large chunks of the year. Arian Smith missed basically the entire year. I mean, really, I mean, MIA for basically the entire year. I mean, we were going with Lad McConkey and AD Mitchell for chunks of the season in the middle of the year at receiver. Darnell Washington missed chunks of the season. Tyke Smith, who's going to be our starting uh, star defender, was out literally all year long. Chris Smith missed the back half of the uh, of the schedule. He played in the SEC Championship game, was clearly not 100%. You don't think that mattered and how Alabama was able to carve us up? Of course it did. So it cuts both ways, man. Uh, Gilbert, Ari Gilbert, I mean, didn't even, didn't even practice really for us this year. I mean, just don't even talk to about injuries and losing guys. It's part of football. It's a gladiator sport. It's what happens. It sucks when it happens that way, but every team deals with it. If you want to fall back and say, we lost this game because of injuries, that's weak sauce, man. That's absolutely weak sauce. I'm 100% with you here, Steve. All right, um, next up here, Curtis. This is something I've been thinking about really for a month or so now, uh, but I set graves in motion. I love the username. I set graves in motion. Ask, is it crazy to assume? And this is a question we got from multiple people, but I'm just using this one as the first one I saw. Is it crazy to assume that next year our offense could be the thing we lean on with an inexperienced defense? Kerr, is that a possibility in 2022? I mean, realistically, it's a possibility, but I'm afraid to say it's a realistic opportunity, a realistic, you know, very realistic if Stetson comes back and is our starting quarterback, because we've never had, mm -hmm. we've shown in the last years of him being our starting quarterback that we're not gonna that we aren't comfortable relying on him to win us the game like kirby after the sec championship game when we lost kept making the comments well like we have to make the plays to help him well when is he going to make the plays to help us and if that's the case for next well, he year did make I'm some like, plays. Let's, let's give him some credit he did make but, that, but, i know it wasn't the perfect throw with that touchdown pass a mitchell that's a play he made a play there no i agree but i'm saying if he has to make every play for us to win realistically like think about these teams right does right yeah no, or or even what Joe Burrow did because their defense was very very haphazard um, yeah. that year, and so the, and that's my point. Yeah, I get where people because we again we got this question from multiple people. I get where. Well, I mean, I really I think it's realistic. Yes, I mean, I we, we should be we should have to rely on them a little bit more. I just am sitting here saying I don't know how realistic it is. Well, realistically, I don't think that it's. Um, fair to expect our defense to be as dominant next year. And I think that's what people are saying. We're going to lose a lot. Obviously we know some key pieces of this defense, Jordan Davis, Jacoby Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall. And we'll see some other names. Nolan Smith. I'm actually hearing is lean towards coming back right now. Trevon Walker. We'll see there. Lewis seen same thing. Kendrick's gone. We're going to lose a lot of pieces off of this defense. So it's hard to expect that, that level of production we saw this year coming into 2022. And so if that's the case, then how are we going to win? It's, like, it's got to be offense, right? And you look at who, who we should have come in. Now we'll see what the transfer portal does to us. I'm keeping my fingers crossed here. What We've all heard rumors. We'll see. But if you think about right now, based off what we know, we don't know who's going to go in the portal. I know there's some rumors out there, but we should have, if anything's ideal here, Jermaine Burton back. Kyrus Jackson should be back. Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, A.D. Mitchell, Lad McConkey. Hopefully, Arik Gilbert comes back into the equation. Uh, then you got Kendall Milton, you've got Kenny McIntosh, you got Branson Robinson coming in as a, as a five star running back. You got Oscar Delp coming in as an, as another elite tight end. We got a killer off. I've, we told you guys all year our best offensive linemen, our most talented offensive linemen were, were the underclassmen. Those guys would be a year older. You got Broderick Jones who played really well in the national championship game coming in. 
You've got Amarius Mims. If he's hopefully he should be sticking around. Tate Ratledge comes back. SVP Van Pran is another year older, another year more experienced at center. We should be better on offense. In fact, we have the potential with the playmakers that we have, uh, a receiver, at running back, the offensive line that we have coming back. We should have the potential to be absolutely dynamic offensively. But Curtis, you're right. The question comes down to quarterback. Is it if it's Stetson Bennett again? There's a good chance we don't activate those weapons like they need to be activated because that's well. Just and, not and here's the thing too: to you're talking you're talking about the transfer portal. We may be ravaged by it and we not able do. to rely on it because guys are like, "Is my money here? Do I really want to waste it with this guy?" But trans- no offense. You're right. The transfer portal can take it, but can but it, ha- it not yeah, also giveth? He hasn't. Yeah, uh, maybe, but we can't sit here and say, "Well, this guy left because he's afraid he's not going to get the ball." So you should come here and get the ball, even though the one common denominator is still here being Stetson Bennett. Fair. Yeah. I mean, that honestly, the quarterback situation is what's going to come down to it. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. In fact, Curtis, we do have a question about the quarterback position and how that's going to play out moving forward later on. So I'm going to, I know we don't, you don't have a ton of time. So I do want to get to that one. In fact, let's just go there right now, Curtis. I, I can change up the order here. Oh. Let me go find the yeah. question. Um, all right. This is from Drill Dog. Again, this is another question. We had a couple people ask this question. Drill Dog was just the first one I saw. So we're going to go with this one. Always appreciate it, Drill Dog. I know you've been with us for a while, my man. Uh, Drill Dog asks, what does our quarterback room look like come next spring? Curse, obviously a lot of speculation here. It's going to involve an educated guest, but sitting here right now in mid January, what's your take on what that's going to look like in the spring? It's going to be three people Stetson, Brock Vandegrift, and Gunnar Stockton. So your JT's gone. In your mind, is that a done deal? I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think it's just a matter of when, which probably in the next Justin doesn't day, decide to come back for whatever reason. Then it's probably Brock, Gunner. JT may just don't be for, to be honest, even if Stetson did go, he may be like, screw it. You know, I felt I felt like I should have been the quarterback. I'm not gonna put up with this again because they may just yeah. I may be caught up in the same yeah. situation. He may be just done with the whole staff in general. And if yeah. that's the case, we've got to hit the transfer portal hard and try to find someone who's still out there. Do you think Beck is gone for sure? I think Beck is definitely gone. I mean, realistically, if I had to choose, I mean, what we've heard too is that they wanted to give Beck the job when JT originally went out and he showed that he was absolutely not ready. Yeah, that's the thing with Stetson. And I know we're going to go, we're going back to Stetson here. And I know like we're saying, you and I are basically saying like our offense is there's, a ceiling on our offense, maybe like in the how dynamic it can be with Stetson. But you're right; like they tried every way possible to even not not just this year, going back to last year to like take the job away from him to give it to somebody else. I know people don't want to believe that, but it's true, guys. Trust me. And Stetson just wouldn't go away, and he just stuck around. If some of those other guys weren't ready. You're right; Beck just wasn't really ready. I have that on pretty good authority. I know people don't want to believe that. They want to believe that Kirby or Smart was an idiot and was wrong. I should have been playing him or JT all along. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a credit no, there. I think, the argument, I think there can be arguments made for JT, but definitely not Beck. Um, I think it was just a fact. I don't know if he truly developed like he should have last year. And to be honest, yeah, I, I was just telling you that I didn't see practice. I don't know. I've been just based off people. But I what we've to, heard, JT wasn't really what doing heard. the job, and he wasn't doing it like he needed to in practice to take the job back from Stetson when he once he got healthy. Yeah, yeah. When, right. and that's the same. I mean, there could be you can you can make arguments and everything over the JT Stetson, but there's absolutely nothing to be made when it came to should Beck have been the guy. Oh, yeah. And, and this is where I go with Kirby Smart's messaging, though. Kirby Smart should have never have said, like, if that's the case, coming – like, when he was asked early in the season, like, hey, is, is Carson Beck your number two? Oh, yeah, Carson Beck's our number two quarterback. And then you leapfrog him for Stetson Bennett, who wasn't the guy you said was number two when JT goes down. And that messaging, I think, is really what got people initially all up in their feelings about it. And I do think Kirby has especially the culpability like there. Yeah, yeah, especially Carson Beck. Yeah, I, yeah. so I, I, I do get that to a degree. All right, I hate to ask you to do this. I know it's a, it is an educated guess. Give me Put a number on Give me a percentage. What's the percentage likelihood that Stetson Bennett is our starting quarterback week one against Oregon next year? You know, it's a 80% followed by a sad face. <laughs> Curtis, we just won a national title. That's it. We know we can do yeah, well, it, but it's going to be the same, right? I know. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is like we, yeah. We're going to have to rely. We need the offense to step up more next year, at least to start the yeah. season, because I have trust, especially in our staff, to develop a defense. But we need to win to start. Like We've seen many years in the past where, you know, where you stumble out of the gate is what screwed you when you got hot later, like we talked about with Stafford's year. Can the formula be the same to open next year 
that we won with this year? I don't think the answer is yes right now. We have plenty of time to talk about that, and we'll see what the transport, what happens with the portal, who comes, who goes, all those things. We'll talk about that a lot over the next couple of months. We have plenty of time, but yeah, uh, I think you're right there. Um, I'm gonna say like 75% Stetson. You know, I mean, I'm right around the same with you. I think he 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 clear, he made it clear that he wants to play. And I, and I, I know that he does. I've heard that really for a while now. That's why I, I broached that, you know, months let's ago. Like he's a good chance he's let's coming be back. Honest, the fact is, he's not going pro. No, he's not and going so to the NFL. He's, he's coming. He wants. He's going to play football somewhere. It's just a matter of yeah. is it here or somewhere else. And I think the odds so, are and, it's probably here. Yeah, and we yeah, can be wrong. Yeah, but be wrong. now I, I did. I have heard, and again, not at practice, but I have heard. I've been told from people that I trust that Brock Vandergrift really did come on and start flashing, doing more than flashing late in the season. So I think he will be given a long look because Kirby was pretty non-committal when he was. I don't know if you saw his interview with Reese uh, with Reese Davis. I think the, I heard about it. Day. I never watched it. Yeah, he was asked about that I've obviously, heard. and he wasn't like like at the end, he kept getting kind of pushed, and eventually he did say, "Oh, you know, I, yeah, I'd like to have Stetson back next year. Yeah, we want him back next year." But he was pretty non-committal. It was very much like Kirby always says, you know, it's about competition. I know he's like, I know y'all don't believe me, but I want the best. The player gives us the best chance to win. We thought that was Stetson this year. And if it's Stetson well, next year, great. If not, we, want, we just want the best player. So I honestly well, think he, Kirby's going to open it up. I really do. Kirby Smart truly needs someone like Brock Vandegrift to actually come in and take the job because I've mentioned it before. Kirby needs a young guy to come in here and develop into the position that has the talent also and can get the reps and learn and do the job and just take a grasp of it and say, this is mine, like Aaron Murray did when he came off his rest freshman year where he took the job and held it for four straight yeah. years. Kirby needs a guy who can come in, and I'm not trying to be mean, but Stetson realistically was a placement holder, yeah. you know, placeholder. a placeholder. And like, yeah. we need someone who's saying, like, I'm going to be the guy for the next two to three High-level placeholder, yes. Yeah, a high, a, a high, yeah, well, yeah, high-level placeholder, but we need a high-level quarterback also to come in and take it. Like, where Brock's like, where yeah. he's like, you could say Stetson could hold the job for two to three years, but – it's not who's your ideal person to take the whole job. And well, here's I think, the thing. Kirby um, kept going back to it all year long is that one of the main reasons that Stetson was our quarterback was his mobility. Well, Vandegrift is actually more mobile than Stetson and is a more polished passer. Now, does he have experience? Obviously not. Is he, is he built the same way from a mental standpoint? We don't know that. We don't know that. We don't know how to respond to those moments. But if it's about mobility – well, Vandegrift gives you that, you know, and he just wasn't Mo ready this Vandegrift year. Vandegrift gives you mobility. He gives you a better arm. You said better passer, and he's just stronger. He's tougher. And the fact that, like, every you think back all those times where Stetson gets hit, like, even when he ran the ball, you cringe because yeah. one hit and he's dead. You don't have to worry about Vandegrift as much. I mean, he's your quarterback, but you don't have to worry about him as much. Like, you can run him. Like, I, I kept saying all year that we need to actually do more design runs with Stetson if, if mobility was the reason why he's back there playing. But it's hard to do that when he's so slight of stature. One direct shot, the guy's, you're right, dead. And Brock, Even at the, the goal line, at the goal not you're more likely to run like read, op, you know, read option yeah. RPOs and things at the goal line, which actually help you when you well, have a quarterback who's strong. Yeah, that could lower a shoulder and get in there. Yeah, and look, here's what I would say real quick. Last thing, there's a couple more questions we got to get to, and I know you got to run here shortly. Uh, I think that from based off what Kirby said about the quarterback situation next year and what Stetson said when he was asked about on the Good Morning America interview, when he, I, I don't know if you saw that, Curse, but he said, like they were asking him, he's like, well, yeah, I'm, I want to play somewhere, but I, I got to see if I can trust the decisions the coaching staff makes. And I was like, whoa, that's an interesting thing to say. So well, here's what I think. He and I know him and Kirby, and Kirby said that they've had a long conversation. They, asked each, they both asked each other tough questions. Uh, between the SEC championship game and the Orange Bowl, I could see a world where Stetson is talking to Kirby. He's like, "Hey, I, you know, I want to play next year, but I think I should be the 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 starter coming into the year, right? You know what I mean? Like, I've yeah, earned that." Yeah, and Kirby's like, "Well, anointed. I think we should open it. Up. Like, we, I want to have a competition. Like, I have never the position. It's not going to guarantee." He Stetson wants it to almost be up. like how it was going into the offseason with JT this year, where right. it's like there was no question it was JT. I think he wants that. He respect. took all the first team reps. Yeah, he wants all the first team reps. He wants, you know. And I don't and I get that. He should. He probably should think that. You want a guy who thinks those things. But if you're Kirby, I also, I mean, like you and I have been saying, we know that Seth's not the most talented guy. So I think it's in our best interest as a Well, program, and like he saw, like, open it up. let's be honest. Let's be honest. Our ride receiver recruiting this year took a hit as a result of our the lack of experience. Yeah. yeah, and that's what we have to do because that's what fits Stetson best. Well, it's not a lack Kirby of explosives. Knows. We can be explosive. We just don't throw the ball enough. There's not enough touches to go around. Well, but that's guys. what I'm saying. The fact of like numbers-wise, we're not going to throw yeah. for 
hundred yards a game yeah, yeah. with Stetson our quarterback for a consistent basis. And Kirby sitting here thinking it worked this year. The like you said, the formula worked this year. But if we try to go out and do this again, how far does this set us back in re- wide receiver recruiting? Yeah. And that's just that's a question that we've been trying to answer for a couple of years, and that's not going to change until we start putting more numbers offensively. And that's just what it comes down to. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Kurt. Um, so good conversation there. A couple more questions. I know we're going to go rapid fire here because you got to go in a couple minutes. Um, it's a great question. It's a really great question from Alexander. Long-time listener. We love you, Alexander. Appreciate it, man. Um, he asks, who's the better linebacker, Roquan Smith or N'Kobe Dean? Yikes. Oh, um, Can I just like, defer? I don't, I'm actually going to go with, on that one. I'm going to go with N'Kobe because I think as Ooh. good as Roquan is, the one thing that separates N'Kobe is his football IQ. And I'm not saying Roquan's stupid, but – and I, 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 that's I think Roquan's really smart, but I think that's the one thing that separates Nakobe is just his oh, everything so about him. He yeah. knows where everyone so smart. Yeah. He knows everything. I think and we were saying a lot, Roquan's, a lot of the same things about Roquan back in 2017, weren't we? Or maybe I'm crazy. we were, but I, I just don't. Think, I don't. I just don't know if his football IQ is at as high as what you see out of Nakobe Dean. I mean, Nakobe like, Dean is like a, is, a 3.7 engineering student. The guy is a. Yeah, I don't know if he's a genius, but four, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, and the fact is, like, you see, he's so cerebral out there. I think that's the difference, make difference, in my opinion. Okay, I will give him because the cerebral. Talent, very, I'll give him that. I think Roquan is their talent is very close. Yeah, and, and that's what I think. I think Roquan is, and I, that's why I went with the cerebralness, if that's the word, as the difference. Oh man, yeah. There, there's not a, maybe a massive gap in talent. I think Roquan's a step above just like natural physical ability. I I'm gonna go Roquan, but I hate myself for because I love him. Kobe Dean. He's an all time great. I think they're both all time greats. I'm gonna go personal preference here. I think Roquan. I think just physically a little bit more physically dominant. That's just I'm and I'm crazy. You can totally disagree with that, and you, you could be right too. But I'm gonna go Roquan. Um, all right, uh, guys, we're not gonna be able to get to all these. We'll save some of these for the next week's mailbag. Um, see if we can go one more curse. This is a good one for to end on this. We have a bunch of questions about transfer portal, and we'll get to that stuff next week. So, guys, we didn't, we're not ignoring you. I promise we'll get to you guys next week. Um, Block Fresh, um, Dalton, Christopher, a bunch of stuff that we'll get to next week and we see you guys. But, Curtis, last one here today. Question from Stacy. It's a really good one to end on. How do we go about normal life after what we just experienced in Lucas Oil Stadium after a 41-year drought? Kurt, I don't know the answer, man. How do we do it? You know, um, I was talking to my girlfriend about it. She was like, are you going to be depressed now that football season's over? And, I, and the, the, the truth is, yeah, I'm sad football season over, but it's the first offseason in my lifetime where I'm not saying we'll get them next year. Yep. Where we don't have to say just you know wait till next year we're we're gonna prove the doubters wrong. For once, we go into this whole off season of peace at peace of we we you know we finally did it. I'm you know I almost slipped up and said something, but we finally did it. Like we we climbed the mountaintop this time, and I know we'll have targets on our back and all that, and where people will be after Bring us next year. On. But the fact is, we finally got over the hump, and I think it's just the beginning. And and I think instead of being like we'll get them next year, now I'm sitting here seeing. This is just the start of it, and it's a whole different feeling where I'm sad it's over, but it makes me even more excited for the future of not of not being like, we'll get them next year, but the fact is, like, we're coming for you. Yeah, I love that, Kurt. And Stacy, this is a great question, but I don't know if I have, like, a hard definitive answer here. I don't know. Here's what I, I would say, Stacey. Here's, here's what I do know. At least, at least this is how I feel right now. There's no going back to pre-national championship Georgia. Because as I said, I guess earlier this episode, earlier this week on the, the instant reaction episode, this, I, I'll just 
flat out tell you guys, I am 36 years old. And this is the first time in my life that we have won a national title. I was born in 1985. I was not alive in 1980. I have quite literally, like many of you out there, spent my entire existence dreaming of this. I know this sounds insane, but it's just the truth. It's kind of dominated my life. I have wanted this so badly, so badly. I'm like about to come to tears all over again, guys. I've wanted this so badly my entire life. And now we've got it. And I don't, it's, I'm just interested to see like how I'm going to feel like during a regular season game moving forward because I feel like on some level, like every game for me, I've talked many times, I've been very open on this show about the anxiety that I experience watching Georgia football games. Like I love it more than just about anything on planet earth outside of my family and who knows maybe even sometimes more than my family and I would never miss a game I never could miss a game it's not physically possible for me to do that but that doesn't mean I haven't experienced like insanely high levels of anxiety I was sitting there inside Lucas Oil Stadium and I had about 17 different aneurysms in that game like it took its toll on my body my I mean we won it's all that matters it probably took about at least I'd say 12 years off my life watching that game, like just how much anxiety was coursing through my veins at that time. But that's why you love it. It's one of the reasons you love it. You don't get that anywhere else. But now I'm curious, like moving forward in the regular season in years to come, like am I going to feel the the same level of anxiety? Am I going to have the same level of like do or die fear going to every game? Because I think a big part of it might be, and we'll see. I, I know there's the anxiety's not going away because I, I just because we won doesn't mean I stopped caring. Obviously, I still care, but I do think a big part of the reason why my anxiety has been so intense over the years, and, and like really, it's intensified even more now that Kirby's gotten here and we've gotten better and we've elevated our program to the point where we legitimately can win national titles any given year. And for me, I think a big part of that and the reason it's been so intense is because it's been so long. We just haven't done it. I mean, all these programs around us, all of our rivals, I mean, Tennessee won one in, in 98, Auburn won one a couple years back. We know what Alabama's done. LSU's won one. Florida went on their run with, with Spurrier and Urban Meyer. And I've lived through all that and I've had to see all that. And we just haven't had our turn, not since 1980. And so it just becomes so much more desperate and you just want it so much more, so much more intensely than maybe you otherwise would. But Stacey, here's what I would say. I'm still going to have the same intensity. I don't believe the anxiety is going anywhere. For me, it's it's now that we've gotten over this first hurdle, right? This actually winning the first one, the first national title since 1980, the first national title in the modern era. You got to start there. You got to start somewhere, right? And it's been so sweet for us. And maybe the first one will always be the best one. But I want more. That's where my mind is now. We got our first one. Now I want to be the best. And not just the best for one year. I want our program to be seen and perceived on the level of Alabama. Now, I know we're not going to be able to go back and have as many national titles as Alabama now. How many of those are actually legitimate and how many of them are fraudulently claimed? Well, you know, you can make an argument there. There's quite a few that are fraudulently claimed or at least other teams can claim the same year. But the fact is, I mean, even going back to to the darling the college football playoff era since Saban's gotten there, I guess you had the BCS before the college football playoff. They've won at an unprecedented rate. And I want that to be us. I want to be not just for one year. One year, I will take it right now. Trust me, by God, of course, I will take it. But I want to be the King College football consistently. I want to be perceived like that. I want to be the best because I truly believe the University of Georgia is the best. And I believe that we have everything we need to be like Alabama. In fact, I think we have more resources in Alabama. I truly 100% believe that. Now, we don't have the long-term tradition with all the titles they've claimed over the years, but in terms of the, the resources it takes to be the best in the modern era, absolutely, I think we have more than Alabama. Alabama's got a ton, but we've got just as much, if not more than Alabama. Plus, we live in a much more fertile recruiting state. So give me Georgia. I think we're the best. And I want to prove that. I want everyone to see us, to view us, to perceive us that way. That's what I'm going for next. So winning one is obviously a requisite starting point, but I'm still hungry, man. I'm still very, very hungry. And so I guess the goal just changes. The goal goes from like, hey, just win that first one. Just win one, just win one, just win one to no, I want more. I want to be the best. I want everyone to see that George is the best and perceive us that way. So 
I don't know if that exactly answers your question. How does life go back to normal? I I don't think we're going to go back to what it was like before a national championship, pre-national championship, pre-national championship in the modern era. I don't I don't think that we can. I am a changed man. Like I really am. I I am a changed man. And everything in life, at least right now, and I I hope for a long time, and I anticipate it will be for a long time. It's just that much sweeter. And the edge off of everything else is kind of just taken down a notch because you know what? Who cares? We got our natty. We got our national title. All the other stuff, it's just noise. It doesn't matter as much. We got what really matters. So great question. I appreciate it, Stacy. But there's no going back. There's just no going back. But all right, guys, thank you again for uh, for joining us today. Thank you for being with us all season long. I know that we did not get to all of the questions. In fact, Curtis had to check out. He had to go somewhere. So uh, I'll tell you bye for him. But we do have more time over the next couple of months, a lot more time. And again, I, I, I see you guys out there, Dalton, Christopher, Blockfresh, uh, Wesley, Russell, uh, Cliff, I don't think we have Cliff. We didn't get to your question either, man, about the offensive line. Um, but actually, I'll touch on that one real quick because it is like national championship games specific. The other ones are uh, things that we can move to next week, talking about the transfer portal and recruiting. We'll get to that stuff next week, I promise you guys. But while we're talking about the national championship today on this mailbag episode, let's let's run with Cliff's question. Curtis, he had to run, but I'm still here, so I got a couple minutes and I can answer this one real quick. So Cliff asked, not to ask a negative question, but did Georgia almost make the switch on the offensive line too late, which could have cost them a title? I'm thankful the coaches finally did it, and it certainly worked out. And this is another one was a popular question. I just happened to see Cliff's first. We got this from a lot of different people, though. Or Cliff's name was at the top of my list when I was going through it. Um, but a lot of people were asking about the, the switch on the offensive line, bringing Broderick Jones in at left tackle, moving Jamari Sire to guard. That's something that Curtis and I both, and a lot of you out there as well, you, you guys let us know all season long. We were All of us were advocating for that because I've said all along, Jamari Sire's long-term NFL's future is at guard more so than tackle. He's more of a natural fit there. He doesn't quite have the length that you want ideally for a left tackle. Now we know that he's a really good player and he could certainly function out there. He functioned out there at a really high level. Broderick Jones, however, is more of a prototype left tackle. He just what didn't have the, the size-strength combination right now to handle some of those big-time guys. But I thought he played really, really well. And playing a big-time guy in Will Anderson, I wasn't matched up on him every single play. But he showed me something. He played really, really well in that game. And there's certainly no coincidence that when you move Jamari inside, you get more beef inside. We've talked about this all year long, that we had essentially two centers playing. We were not big and strong enough on the interior. And that hurt our run game to a degree. We're still able to run the football successfully for most of the year, but not having that size inside that we've had in the past, guys like Ben Cleveland. Like when you go from a guy as big as Ben Cleveland and you go to Warren Erickson, God bless his soul. He played really well for us most of the year, but he's not the same kind of player. He's a center by trade and he did his best playing out of position. But when you make a, a change like that, when you go from Ben Cleveland to Warren Erickson, like that, there's a drop off there in terms of getting push on the interior. And I felt Jamari Salyer could be an answer there at that position. And clearly our coaches just didn't think Broderick Jones was quite ready for that. They didn't quite trust him as much as they trusted Warren Erickson, really is what it came down to, even though they played different positions. But that's ultimately what it came down to. And, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I I don't think it was just like the coaches saying, hey, we're just going to make this move out of the blue. Erickson got hurt, did he not? I mean, I, I don't know if there hasn't been much reported on that, but I saw in the game, it looked like he was dinged up. Now, again, I wasn't watching the game on TV, so I didn't see all the replays and like, I like Lucas Oil Stadium. It was a great venue, but they're like jumbotron situation wasn't particularly great. It wasn't very large, so you couldn't really see as much there. They didn't do a necessarily great job on those replays, but it looked like that he hobbled off with injury. He was hurt at some point in the first half. And he tried to continue to play with it, but he wasn't as effective. And then that's why the coaches decided to make the change there. I could be a thousand percent wrong on that, but that was my impression watching the game there. But somebody who, who and I need to go, and I still have not had a chance to go back. I'm about to go, actually, when I get done with this, go back and, and do another re, another rewatch. This like proper rewatch of the game, like a deep dive into it. So we talk more about it next week. But that's what I saw in that game. But regardless of how it went down and why it went down, I do think that was a big part of why we were able to have so much success running the football. Now, again, I, I did think that we were going to have success running the football coming into the game. I told you guys that in the preview episode because of the way Bama was going to try to play us when we were in 12 and 13 personnel. They were going to have their lighter nickel package on the field, and I thought we could really take advantage of that. I thought we did a pretty good job of that the first time around, but then we, the game just got, kind of got out of hand and we stopped running the football, so therefore we could not take advantage of it as much after that point. But if we were able to stay within a score or so of Alabama, which we were all game long, 
then I felt like we could run the ball and have a lot of success doing that. And I think moving Jamari Sawyer inside just certainly intensified that success that we're going to have. We got more movement when we needed it because like Bama was good on the interior. They weren't, I don't know. I don't think they were elite on the interior. Mathis is good. I, I thought their linebackers were solid this year. I don't think their linebackers were elite, especially Toe Toe. Harris is, I think, more talented than Toe Toe uh, in terms of playing downhill. I think he's a better athlete. But he was out of position at times as well. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. Neither is Toe Toe. So you get more beef in there. That certainly does help the run game. And I do think that was a good move for whatever the reason was, whether it was injury related or not. I think that absolutely helped us. And I wish that we would have made that move earlier in the season. But I guess it doesn't matter now. We won the national title anyway. That's the goal. So regardless of whether we made the move or not, we won the title and it all worked out. But you're right, Cliff. I think you make an argument that it took our coaches a little too long to make that move but all right guys that does it for today here on the glory uga podcast again don't worry we got a lot more national title talk coming up in the next couple weeks got a lot of stuff planned for you guys we'll try to get to that here in the next couple of weeks so thank you guys for listening for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs